Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Therapy and Theology. Today we're going to be looking at different constructs for trauma-informed care. And this actually is an overlap of what we've talked about in previous episodes, but also trying to explore what trauma-informed care is, the five elements of trauma-informed care, and then how we can implement those as leaders, as believers, as um, someone that holds a sphere of influence. If you are a believer who is saying, I want to make sure the way I'm showing up in circles at work or within friendships or family members that maybe don't understand my religious background, how do I show up there? You know, I think that heart, that posture of just curiosity and desire to want to be able to connect with people is really the greatest place to start. And so what is trauma-informed care? Let's start there. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a training at my church on attachment, trauma, and discipleship. And one of the things that was really helpful to kind of outline and discuss was this idea of what is trauma-informed care. So if we're looking at just a definition of it, trauma-informed care understands and considers the pervasive nature of trauma and promotes environments of healing and recovery rather than practices and services that may inadvertently re-traumatize. So this is from the Institute of Trauma and Trauma-Informed Care. And what I love about this definition is truly it is a posture. It is a place of, that provides and promotes environments of healing and recovery 
and has the awareness to recognize that certain practices or services might actually re-traumatize people and not necessarily even on purpose, right? I think oftentimes, especially when we are trying to help people or we're giving spiritual advice, we can do it with such great and sweet intent. Although if someone has a trauma experience, it can be pervasive in the way that we talk about things. It can be really triggering to people. One statistic that I like to share with people also that maybe isn't known is that trauma affects one in five people. So if you think about that, it can be really helpful to be able to, one, normalize, I think, our own stories, but then to have more compassionate perspective for those that we come in contact with on a daily basis or just strangers that we meet day to day. So let's go back to trauma-informed care and how we want to promote environments for healing and recovery. What does that look like? Well, the Institute for Trauma and Trauma-Informed Care provides five elements that I think are really beautiful and can be looked at throughout scripture and through Jesus's ministry. Here they are, trust, choice, safety, empowerment, and collaboration. So let's break these down in the context of how we embody them as individuals wanting to follow Jesus in the way of servanthood. What does this look like for our lives, for our ministries, for our leadership, for our families, and the way that we interact with the world? So one of the ways that I like to first frame safety and trust, so I'm linking those two together, those first two elements of any safe environment for those that have experienced trauma is found in the words of Henry Nouwen, the wounded healer. And I love this quote. He says this, for all ministers are called to recognize the suffering of their own time in their own hearts and make that recognition the starting point of their service. Whether we try to enter into a dislocated world, relate to a convulsive generation or speak to a dying person, our service will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which we speak. Thus, nothing can be written about ministry without a deep understanding of the ways in which ministers can make their own wounds available as a source of healing. And this is from Henry Nouwen's book, The Wounded Healer. Wherever we are called to minister and be ministers, I think it can be really helpful to start with our own story and our own wounds. And that's how we kind of started out this whole series, right? With understanding our body story and how that impacts the way that we show up and are perceived by the world around us. And so here are a few of those skills that can help us create safety and trust in our relationships. Number one is contemplative awareness. This looks at the dichotomy of missional versus activism. And reflecting a posture of engagement rather than reactive position of power. And I think this is such a powerful thing, right? Because I think as a leader, as someone in ministry, wherever you are at, you have power, right? We all have what we call personal power. And so did Jesus, right? He was so popular as he walked into his ministry. And yet he utilized his power, his personal power and the power that he had been given from God to reflect a posture of engagement, missional living, rather than reactive power to law or to having other people agree with him, right? There's just this contemplative awareness of what is my mission and is it a reflective posture of engagement or do I feel really reactive in 
holding on to what I believe and making sure everybody believes exactly what I believe. And so there's some some movement here in becoming aware of what my position is, what my posture is in interacting with others. And then in addition to that, I think differentiation of self is another one. And, and Charles Kaiser and I spoke a little bit about this in his interview when it comes to ministry and knowing that we can be separate from each other, right? Like limit setting versus a savior complex. And this is something that's so hard for most of us, but I would say even in my own story that feeling so burdened by the pain and suffering of the world and recognizing though, I am not the savior. And there's such a beauty in letting go of taking on that burden and recognizing that's the Lord's. I am not Jesus. I am to be like him, but not him. And I have limits. And so did Jesus, right? In that sense, we are able to differentiate a balance of attachment, right? We don't want to be enmeshed in whatever our vocation is, whatever our calling is, but then we also don't want to lose sight of of the call, right? And so I think there's this beautiful path within differentiation where we can recognize what are my edges, what are my limits? And and this I think for myself, it's been this daily practice of coming to the Lord and saying, what is mine and what is not mine? And and take the burdens of what is not mine with the spirit in his leading. And lastly, embodied hospitality. And Charles Kaiser also talks about this, and we, we maybe briefly mentioned it in the interview, but I highly recommend his book, Trauma-Informed Evangelism. And he talks about the difference between a guest and a host and how there's a power differential there, right? And when we are able to make space for another person, it means that we are able and have first made space for ourselves. And I think this can be a really helpful practice when we're looking at safety and trust is allowing others to be given the power differential, right? What does it look like to become a guest in someone else's space? Oh, the church is so good at being a host, right? We are so good at that. We have so many events and things, but what does it look like in our spiritual formation or even in our evangelism to become the guest, to walk into a space and not be in control, but to allow others to invite us in, to teach us something? This can help, I think, in so many ways, create connection and safety and trust. Because if I walk into a space and I'm the expert or I'm the therapist or I'm the spiritual leader, it doesn't create as much of a reciprocity as showing up as a guest and saying, I want to learn from you. And this can be a really great start. All right. So this is the Wounded Healer. And these are the practices of the Wounded Healer in order to create safety and trust. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com. And then we have the empathic witness. And this is all about empowerment. It's that third element of trauma-informed care, empowerment. And Charles Kaiser talks about this empathic witness, and he links it saying this. He says, this kind of evangelism is witness-oriented rather than results-oriented. 
in that faithfulness is not measured in terms of production or conversations, but rather in terms of bearing witness to the good news of God's kingdom through its embodiment in the community of people. Evangelism, in other words, is an embodied witness to the gospel. I think this is so hard sometimes because we can, in in any kind of realm, whether it's a work environment or a ministry environment, wherever you're holding leadership, there can be such pressure to be results-oriented. And this gets really dangerous, I think, when we're looking at it from a salvation perspective. If we are engaging people as empathic witnesses, are we showing up to truly be a witness of someone's story or are we focused really on them getting to believe the same thing we are? Because what I love about this practice is that it is not our job, right? And what beautiful way we can hold space for people if we don't have the pressure of making someone change, right? A belief does not change with another belief. It changes through an experience And so what does it look like to embody this empathic witness in our communication with people? I wonder if this practice of being a witness allows us to just be still and listen, right? I think the the practice here, the skill here, the strategy here is what does it look like to be witness-oriented and allow the rest to be God's work, right? And this takes, again, the pressure off. And it allows us to just hold space for creating safety, going back to that wounded healer, right? And then witnessing a story. And this, I think in this space, we just have to get really good at knowing our own story and recognizing that mourning and grief are part of the resurrection story, right? And through that, just through sitting in someone else's pain in their own story, What beautiful way can we embody the Father? Because He does that with us, right? And so through this, I think what grows is belonging and restoration and healing in those wounds. And then finally, the last aspect of trauma-informed care through a ministry context would be what we call emotional coach. (laughs) And I think this allows for the last two elements of trauma-informed care, which is choice and collaboration, right? So the emotional coach, unlike maybe maybe the Sunday school teacher or the youth group leader, emotional coaches don't give the answers, right? Emotional coaches allow for choice and collaboration. And so this is where we kind of shift from, again, this expert role to more of a a supportive role and allowing someone to create the context for their own spiritual journey. I think it can be so helpful. And I've learned so much in my own process that I can't expect someone to be right where I am, right? And so if we or thinking about the spiritual journey as a continuum towards heaven, if someone is, you know, just coming into this journey, what I have to acknowledge is that they have to get to where they're going at their pace. And so it gives us so much space in order to say, here's where I am, here's where you are, and let's just attune to where you want to go. And I'm connecting and listening, right? Dr. John Gottman gives five steps for emotional coaching that are so helpful. And I think they can be really applied to a discipleship context, right? Attuning, connecting with whatever this person is saying and sharing, listening, which can be really difficult um, if we want to give the answers right away, but just reflecting, reflecting on what you're hearing, and then end with this problem-solving choice exploration, right? This collaboration of 
well, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I'm listening. I'm, I'm realigning to what you're feeling. And then let's talk about what are some possible solutions. What could be helpful? It's something I say oftentimes. What could be helpful? Let's talk about how I can help, what you could do, what resources you have. And this creates such choice and collaboration in the discipleship process, something that I think can be so empowering for those who have experienced trauma, who are walking towards maybe rebuilding their faith in some context, or truly just have never had a voice in their own story before. You could be the person that provides them that voice. And so I want to end with Isaiah 61.1 as just a commissioning and as a prayer, because Even if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I don't have any place of influence right now, or I don't have a job, or I don't have a profession yet, or, you know, I don't have a family, you still have been called as a child of God to live out your belovedness as a wounded healer, as a compassionate witness, and as an emotional coach. And I'm praying that you can see, even in this week, places where you can step into other people's stories with compassion, with curiosity, and allow for trust and safety to be built, empowerment to be increased, and choice and collaboration to be the process in which people connect with you and then they connect with God and in His Spirit. And so let me read this passage over us. The Spirit of God is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prisons to those who have been bound. May we go into this week with a spirit of humility, holding our own stories, and asking God to empower us to live on mission as a witness and an ambassador. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarcoyer.com. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.